and gentlemen, welcome back. You are listening to The Decision Hour. Uh, I am your host today, Adam Bird, and with me, I have some very special guests. I've been so excited, and I've been kind of giving you guys some teasers about these guests that we got coming on uh, right now. So without further ado, please help me welcome from uh, the founders of uh, Barefoot Wine, Mr. Michael Houlihan and Mrs. Bonnie Harvey. Folks, how are you guys doing? We are excellent. We're so happy to be here with you, Adam. I, I, I have been looking forward to this interview since I met you guys uh, on Veterans Day uh, out in Connecticut. And this is it, it's it's such a ple- uh, pleasure and a privilege uh, to have you guys on. And, and for me, it's an honor. So thank you so much for taking uh, time out of your guys' schedule to be on the air with us today. Well, we are totally uh, honored to be here. Awesome. So I want to I want to jump right into it, guys. We were talking a little bit off air, and let's I want I want to get right back into what we were talking about off air, so all of our listeners can uh, um, can join can join in, folks. If you if you're listening to this right now on a podcast or on a recorded show, you're already online. Open up another browser. I want you to type in the Barefoot Spirit thebarefootspirits.com and 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 check this out and just kind of go along with us as we go but uh, it, I whether it's Michael or Bonnie whoever wants to start tell us a little bit how uh, you guys came into what it is you guys are doing and where you guys are at today kind of give us a, a history of, of how this all started well there's really two stories the first one is how we got started uh, with barefoot wines and the second one is what we've been doing since we successfully sold that business um, so I'll start very briefly with how we got started with barefoot wines Michael and I were living here in the beautiful wine country in Northern California in Sonoma County and we both had clients uh, that worked in the wine industry but neither of us were really that interested in wine so I had a client that wasn't paid for his grapes and I asked Michael if he'd please go out and to the winery and see if he couldn't get this $300,000 collected for my client and come to find out the winery had literally just filed that morning for bankruptcy. Oh. Uh, so oh. <laughs> there was no money to be had. Um, what we did is Michael was able to negotiate for bottling services and bulk wine. So from that, we had to turn that into cash to pay the grower um, who was unable to take over another business as he was a full-time winemaker as well as having a vineyard. So we took over the debt, we took over the bottling services and the bulk wine and went about getting all the compliance necessary and everything and uh, designing the package and the market, etc. So um, I think that that was quite an exciting adventure. We really took an advantage of an opportunity that existed and um, it wasn't a passion of ours at all. So it kind of fell, it kind of just fell in your lap then. Pardon? It kind of fell into your lap. It was just like there's an opportunity that presented itself. Boom, yeah. here you go. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I say we fell into the wine vat backwards. <laughs> 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 so it, we took advantage of an opportunity that we saw. And it was not a passion, but we took advantage of this opportunity passionately. Um, we learned a heck of a lot about business. 
and we learned so much about building a business and starting with no money and starting with no knowledge of our industry and making it one of the top brands, wine brands in the nation, that our friends and our employees said, you really have to write a book and share this information with others. So one of the things that we learned is do what you do best and delegate the rest. So we hired an excellent writer that understood uh, all things about wine. That's Rick Cushman. He'd been the wine writer for the Sacramento Bee for a very long time. And he wrote our book, The Barefoot Spirit, How Hardship, Hustle, and Heart Built America's Number One Wine Brand. Now, Bonnie, I want to I want to stop you right there, real quick. Heart, how hardship, hustle, and heart uh, built America's number one wine brand, folks. Listen, it, it it doesn't get any better than this. I'm getting goosebumps just listening to Bonnie talk right now. It's they they have an opportunity, and folks, this is the decision hour. Those of you that have been listening to this show for for since we we started it, it's it's making that decision. They saw an opportunity. Michael and Bonnie took that and made the decision to take this opportunity and run with it. And they've been very, very successful. Now, mind you, and Bonnie, correct me if I'm wrong, but you learned a lot. I mean, I'm assuming you guys had some business sense going into this a lot, or was there a lot of research uh, going into this? Because, you, uh, you know, I'm reading on this, and is that you guys didn't have – you weren't passionate about the wine industry. This was just kind of something that you 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 took and, and pushed forward and, and made it very successful. Is that correct? Yes, uh, actually, it is, Adam. Uh, we, you know, we had no knowledge of the industry, and I, in, in retrospect, we look back and we say, well, maybe that was one of our greatest assets, because we weren't prejudiced. We went into the industry with an open mind, as consumers, really, and we said, well, what do consumers want? What would we want? And as opposed to, you know, being in the wine industry for two generations and having some very stiff ideas about what wine was and how it should be presented and how it should taste and how it should be priced. So actually, in retrospect, that kind of worked to our advantage. But because we didn't know what we were doing uh, and we were broke, um, I know that sounds familiar to a lot of you out there, um, we were scared. And we were scared enough to go out and ask questions. And boy, did we ask a lot of questions. And we didn't really go out and ask questions of all the white-collar experts. We went out and made friends in low places, as we say. These are people with dirt under their fingernails. They drive forklifts. They drive truck. You know, they work on assembly lines. Uh, they're loading up grocery shelves. They're emptying boxes. They're pricing items. Um, people in our industry, which is the food and beverage industry. And we said, what works and what doesn't work? And what do you like and what do you not like and why? And what's wrong with this product and what's right with that product? So we got a real blue collar view of things, which was actually a lot more honest than some of the expert advice that we got. And we followed their advice and we learned things like uh, the label had to be visible from four feet away. Uh, we learned things like uh, the boxes had to be all different colors, one for each varietal, so that they could be easily sorted and retrieved in a warehouse. So there was all these logistical issues that we would have never thought about if we talked to just the marketing experts. Because what happens with a lot of people is they go into business, they fall in love with their product, 
and you know maybe they do a really wonderful product, but it doesn't succeed because they don't understand the distribution system, and they don't understand the logistic requirements in order to get it through. How big do the signs have to be? Uh, how big do the numbers have to be on the on the labels, um, and why? And uh, you know how much airspace does there have to be around the logo, and why? Um, and, and these are the kinds of like really down to earth things that we learned. And um, it gave us confidence. We started to go, you know what, this is doable. I think the biggest thing that we learned was that we weren't in the wine business. You know, we thought, hey, we're in the wine business, sniff, swirl, and, you know, uh, talk about mid notes, speak a little <laughs> French, keep your pinky out, that kind of thing. <laughs> and, 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 you know, here, here it really had to do with forklifts and trucks and, you know, people wearing smocks and, you know, getting the product out there on the shelves. And, and so this was our, one of our biggest lessons. I, th- I think, you know, you make a great point because, you know, I, I think it's genius asking, going to the blue collar worker and, and, and asking that, you know, you get the higher ups and, and a lot of the time folks, and I've said this before in, in past uh, shows that, you know, sometimes, you know, the less you know, the better. And the more questions you ask, the better off you're going to be. Um, and what I mean by that is, 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 as soon as you think you got it, that's when things start to go maybe not so well. And and the fact that Michael and Bonnie went out and they're asking the blue collar, they went right to the sort of the people that are handling this stuff. Uh, you know what the likes, dislikes, and, and getting that input in it. That's that's what you don't hear a lot of people doing nowadays, which I think is, is, is a shame. And it's a great reminder for me, uh, myself, I'm listening to this and, and I'm really hoping the rest of you that are listening to this are taking notes right now because you're getting, um, just grade a information right here that you, you're not going to get anywhere else. This is, this is awesome. So let's fast forward a little bit. So you, you, you did the, you got through the wine and then, and then you got to a point where, uh, you sold the business. Yes. Okay. What came after that then? What are we talking about after after that? Oh, well, after we sold the business, um, first of all, the first year we worked for the acquirer to really help them understand why this product was so successful and growing so quickly. It was one of the fastest growing wine brands in the nation. And they didn't quite understand what it was that we were doing that was so different. Um, Part of what we had done right from the beginning was we came in with fresh eyes. We came in with not knowing what we were doing. So we revolutionized the uh, wine industry. First of all, we had a fun label. That was cute. Yeah, I loved it. I love it. Non-vintage, which was very unusual. But uh, more than that, we reached out to the community. We reached out to the consumer. And we found out what it was they were interested in in the markets around where our product was available. Besides having, you know, a a great bottle of wine at a good price with a cute foot on it. And we supported the causes that they were interested in in their communities. So we were really working closely with our end user, in addition to working with everyone in the distribution channel, which is the distributors, the retailers, the retailer clerks, 
um, and making sure that our product actually did get to the shelf and stay there. Uh, one of the biggest problems we had is we were a fast seller. <laughs> when you're a fast seller, that means that all your product can be gone from the shelf. It's an empty shelf. Now, that's, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds like it's a good problem to have, but at the same time. Yeah. Oh. Only for a while. Right, right. Yeah. So the other thing we did uh, when we sold the business after, you know, we worked for our acquirer, um, you know, they, they couldn't understand why our brand got so big and so popular and was such a fast mover uh, without commercial advertising. But the fact is, we were broke. And um, because we were broke, we couldn't afford this kind of advertising. We had, we had supermarkets say, well, I'll put it in if you spend 200 large on advertising. And we said, well, you, we don't even have one of those 200. Right. And uh, so, but, but one day, we got a call from a guy in a community group in San Francisco who was trying to raise money for a kids after school park and he wanted swings and slides. And so he called up and he asked for $50,000 from us. And we didn't even have one of those. And, but we said, listen, we'll, we'll donate wine and you can use it at your fundraisers. You know, maybe, you know, you can auction it off or it might loosen some people up and they'll write a big check. But uh, it's all we've got. And he said, fine, I'll take it. So he took it. And we noticed that the sales in the stores around his neighborhood really took off. And we thought, we wonder if we can use this in other neighborhoods. So we went out to other neighborhoods and we started to find out, as Bonnie said, what was important to them. And so basically, Barefoot was built without commercial advertising, which is a real... You know, neck snapper, eye popper. So, um, well, one of the things we're doing now is showing businesses how to get the word out about their product. And that's probably the most expensive thing you can do in business is getting the word out about your product um, and, and doing that um, through what we call worthy cause marketing. And and long story short, what that really is, is it's giving the members of a nonprofit organization that you support a social reason to buy your product and not just a mercantile reason. I, I love it. I, I, like I said, I got, I got goosebumps here. I'm, I'm, I'm a, you're putting the purpose before the profit. It, 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 you know, I, I, one of the founders, Sam uh, Cachola, he, he, he has a saying, um, you know, purpose with a profit where you put the purpose first. And if you put the purpose first and you're, you're real with the purpose, the profits will, will follow. And that's and the case in point of what you're talking about, Michael, right there. Um, <laughs> It, it is absolutely amazing. All right, so let's continue on. Let, let's take a, a, a step, another step further uh, here uh, as we're moving forward. I want to talk a little bit more. You, you, so you were, you were talking about your uh, how you teach this. Now you guys do a lot of uh, public speaking engagements, and and uh, you've got. I want to talk about the books. So wherever you want to start, I'm having a good time with this. I hope you guys are too. Listeners, make sure you guys are taking notes. If you're uh, listening to this, you're already online. Open up another browser. Go to thebarefootspirits.com. You got to check this stuff out. Yeah, 
Yes, thank you, Adam. We've, we've been writing so many blogs, two blogs a week, one on that site, thebarefootspirit.com, and another one on www.thebrandauthority.net. And we love sharing the information, the lessons that we learned. We learned so many things the hard way. We are now in a position to help other people that are starting businesses and learning about entrepreneurship uh, by telling them the lessons that we learned on those two sites. So it's very exciting. And the book that we wrote um, after we had sold our business, The Barefoot Spirit, it became a New York Times bestseller. So we are very thrilled about that. And that got the attention of a lot of schools, universities that teach entrepreneurship. So in the past three years, we have spoken at a about 40 schools of entrepreneurship oh, wow. and they have our book the barefoot spirit in their classrooms it's a business adventure story it's really a fun read there's nothing dull about it at all thanks to rick cushman who really knew what he was doing and understood the wine industry and he wrote for the average person which the our wine was produced for the average person and it, 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 there's nothing that we're trying to make you know um mystery or or that kind of thing there's no french in it there's no big words you can pronounce everything <laughs> <laughs> so it's very user friendly the book as well as the wine was so we take our book to into the classrooms and we talk to the students about what it's really like to, you know to start off um, being in that very fearful position of wanting to start a business and having no idea what you're getting into or uh, not having enough money. And we try to encourage them to say sometimes that can be a real advantage. If we'd had money to throw at advertising, that's probably what we would have done because that's the conventional way of doing it, right? Right. But because we didn't have money, we had to find another way to be successful. And Michael and I really both have the mindset that we are going to be successful. We just don't know quite how we're going to do it. Yet. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so we went about finding a way. And uh, Worthy Cause Marketing was an excellent way. We were really able to tap into these groups of people that already existed, that already had something that they were passionate about, that were already supporting their community in some way. And um, by supporting the same things that they were supporting, we got their attention. They went out and they looked for our product. They asked for our product. And obviously it worked. It, it uh, caused Barefoot to be one of the fastest growing wine brands in the nation and without paid advertising. So if we could do it, I know that there's a lot of your listeners out there that can do it too. I, folks, you're getting a, a million-dollar education here on this phone call. I really hope you guys are taking notes on this. You have to check this stuff out. I'm, I'm so – and I cannot – I know I've said it several times during this conversation, and I'm, I'm usually you know, not like this so much during uh, during interviews, but the, but the fact that you guys are passionate about what you guys are doing, um, I love and, and can totally relate with everything that you guys are talking about right now because – 
you know, people have asked me, you know, how, you know, when, when I first started Heroes Media Group and, you know, how do you plan on doing this? No clue. I just know it's going to happen, you know, and, and, and that's, I'm going to go out and find a way to do it. And it will, you know, through trial and error and progression and, and meeting up with like-minded people, it's starting to be very successful at it. And, and I love it. And I want to know, like, so if there's listeners out there right now, now you, you, you mentioned the, the one book, the, uh, the barefoot spirit, which was on the New York, uh, times bestseller. I believe you have you have a, a another book uh, as well. Is that correct? Yes, we have another book. Um, and you, what what's happened is that this word entrepreneurship uh, has really become a buzzword um, in America, and a lot of these big old stuffy corporations that are all siloed and pyramided out are getting pressure from their boards of directors, and they're saying, "Why can't you guys be more entrepreneurial?" And so they're looking to be entrepreneurial, but they don't really know what that means because they, you know, they themselves have the Johnny Paycheck mentality. Right. And so here they're being asked to be entrepreneurial, which is, which is basically to take risks. And so we wrote a book called The Entrepreneurial Spirit, or Culture, The Entrepreneurial Culture, um, 23 Ways to Engage and Empower Your People. And um, we wrote it really for the C-suite. These are executives in pyramid-shaped corporations uh, who want to know what are the um, elements of entrepreneurship that really identify uh, a, a positive company culture and make everybody interested in sales, for instance, and uh, interested in solving problems, for instance, uh, and, and uh, teamwork, for instance, uh, because when you've got three people in a garage with a good idea, believe me, there's no question in their heads that they have to make sales or they're not going to be in that garage very long. Right. And so what happens is as entrepreneurs get larger and larger, they start to get into these divisions of labor and they start to hire an engineer or they outsource over here or they hire somebody over there. And before you know it, they've got a pyramid. So what we like to do is recommend that people that this is a good book for for not only corporate people who want to become more entrepreneurial and to create an entrepreneurial culture within their corporation, but for people who are aspiring entrepreneurs just to see here's 23 things that are uh, indicative of entrepreneurs. Here's, here's things entrepreneurs do. And you can look at each one of these things and you'll really get a kick out of it. It's really like down-to-earth stuff. Like when you're an entrepreneur, you really can't afford to hire anybody who isn't, which means you have to pay for performance. You can't just pay you know, wages whether or not the guy produces. So if you're paying people right, the producers can't afford to quit and the non-producers can't afford to stay. So this is an example of one thing, one out of 23 things that entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs, they have to do. That's why they're successful. Another one is put yourself in the other guy's shoes. In other words, what does the other guy really want here? You know, does he want a better mousetrap or does he want a product that's going to move fast off his shelf? 
Um, does he want to look good in front of his boss? Uh, does, does he want to have a representative from your company that is in his territory that's selling the mousetraps for him and, and sending people in to buy the mousetraps? Yes. So you notice I didn't say anything about the mousetraps. He doesn't want to buy the mousetraps. <laughs> you know, he's in, he's in a different business. He's in retail, say. So understanding what everybody who touches your product wants and is, I would say is an entrepreneurial um, uh, guiding principle. So, Bonnie, would you like to give them one more or two more? Well, I happen to have um, the book here on my shelf, so I pulled it up and I'm just looking at some of the chapters here. And it's uh, so many things that we learned and, and that made us successful. One of them is ask a lot of questions, which I've already told you a bit about. Uh, another one that I think is really good is the ball is always in your court which means when there's something that you're trying to get done, in, you, you can't tell the boss, well, I already sent him a message. I'm waiting for him to get back to me. No, the ball is always in your court, which means that it's always up to you to make that move and to make something happen. And uh, you have to always over-deliver. That's another one of, of uh, the chapter titles. And one I like a lot is never waste a perfectly good mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We, we all make mistakes as part of learning. You, yeah. you don't learn unless you're making mistakes. Exactly. You've got to embrace the mistake, realize how it happened, why it happened, and um, aim, don't blame. You aim that finger that you're pointing at somebody else saying it's their fault, and you bring it right back around, you point it at yourself, and you say, what can I do to make this mistake less likely to happen in the future? And um, that goes right into make mistakes right. The right is spelled W-R-I-T-E. You make mistakes right by changing a document or a policy, a procedure, a checklist, or a job description. You change something in writing to make that mistake less likely to happen. Right. And that's how you never waste a perfectly good mistake. <laughs> this, this is, you, you guys, you know, this, you know, this is so great, folks. One, is, um, one day we were trying to figure out how to get by this other corporation we were trying to do business with. And so we thought, well, maybe we should, you know, put a big label on the box, you know, that's one inch high that says, you know, don't throw this away. This is your boss is waiting for this. This is important, blah, blah, blah. And one of my guys stands up and he goes, Michael, he says, you're trying to make it idiot proof. And I said, no, I said, we're just trying to make it idiot resistant. <laughs> And he said, but even now, as we speak, they're building a better idiot. <laughs> oh, my God. Another rule is always make it fun. Yeah. <laughs> and that... <laughs> So you can see that we like having a good oh, time. Oh, this is absolutely outstanding. I, I love this. Make it idiot proof. They're building a better idiot. And, and and you know what? That last part there, you got to make it fun. You you really do. Um, where can for for our listeners out there that that want to get these books and purchase them, but where can they go to get these books? You can go to www.thebarefootspirit.com, and um, both books are available there, and they're both very good reading. You'll learn a huge amount 
from those books. But we've gone on to create a, a four-part uh, course that's online. And each part is one hour long, and it really goes into detail about how to start a business. The, the four parts, the first one is called Starters for Startups. The second one is called um, Cash Flow Management. Then there's Personnel Management. And the, the last one is Distribution Management. Um, each of these were videoed, each section was. And when we give these webinars, they're followed by a full hour of, of Q&A, so we make sure that we can answer any questions that any of our viewers might have. So we're really happy to have this. We feel like it's really the most complete package that we have to date to offer, and um, it has helped a lot of people in their businesses get started and really understand the keys to making a business successful. Now, do they go to the same website to find those uh, yeah, those it's videos? It's all on the same website, thebarefootspirit.com, and there's ways that they can contact us if they have any questions or access issues. Um, you know, we love to work with vets. Uh, I don't know if Bonnie told you, but we have been working with the um, the EBV for years. Uh, that's the that's the entrepreneurial boot camp for veterans with disabilities and their families. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's it's an incredible organization out of Syracuse, New York. Uh, we go back there in the middle of the winter and the snowstorms and whatnot <laughs> and talk to these incredible human beings who've just come back from the theater over there. And, uh, you know, many of them have really incredible injuries, but they want to start their own businesses. Their families want to start their own businesses. And so we encourage them uh, and we love to work with them so we love vets we think that you know we we have a friend uh at the university of connecticut uh mike uh i think you know the guy Mm -hmm. uh adam yeah uh he he has uh vets that he has gotten into uh the university of uh Connecticut, and he says that 85% of his vet businesses have succeeded. Yep. And here's, here's what success is. Success is still in business two, two to three years later. Yep. So when I hear those kind of statistics, and I know that the civilian population is like one out of ten, vets have a real advantage in the entrepreneurial space. They understand about logistics. They respect policies and procedures. They're willing to write them. Uh, They're willing to make mistakes right. They don't make the same mistake twice. Uh, They know how to work with the team. They have all of the the wonderful uh, uh, accoutrements of uh, entrepreneurial success. And uh, that's why we like to work with them because it's so rewarding for us to see vets get out there and really do it and, and be successful. You have to remember that 15 years after World War II, half of the Fortune 500 was vets. Yeah, very true. That's a good point. Wow, I didn't even realize that. And I should have known that. That's a, that's a great point, Mike. Great point. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael and Bonnie, um, folks, before we let you guys go, uh, do you have any parting words? 
Well, I just want to encourage anyone that's got a good idea to get some information about their business, go out and ask questions before they go out there and get started. Lots of people have good ideas, and there's warehouses that are filled throughout the U.S. with products that are great ideas that the public really wants. That's not what it takes to be successful. It really takes um, an understanding of cash flow management, personnel management, and distribution management to be successful. So uh, I wish everyone listening the best of luck, and please do your research and understand these subjects before you get started in your business. It will really make a big difference in your success. Come and see us at www.thebarefootspirit.com. Folks, I appreciate you guys, again, taking the time out of your busy day to uh, to be on air with us today and, and for all the listeners out there. Um, we'll make sure, f- uh, those of you that are listening, we're going to have uh, their information up on uh, on the website as well as uh, the social media pages. Uh, Michael, Bonnie, thank you again, and just know that you guys have a home here with the Heroes Media Group uh, on the Decision Hour. If you guys ever need an open mic, we got one here ready for you. So I look forward to working with you guys here in the near future. Excellent, Adam. We look forward to working with any vets. All right. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank you. Today. You bet. You too. Bye. 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 What a great interview. Uh, Michael, Bonnie, you cannot thank them enough for, for, for coming on. And, and looking forward to having them on uh, the show later on, uh, or early parts of 2016. Folks, I'm out of time today. Uh, big shout out to our sponsors and uh, people out there. Um, we got the Premier Social Media, uh, Premier with an E. Make sure you check Shyla out. That's PremierSocialMedia.com, uh, Red Oak Marketing, uh, Mammoth Global Partners, uh, Reality Realty, Virginia Heroes, uh, everybody else uh, that's out there, Student Veterans of America. Make sure you check out all the other shows that are on the Heroes Media Group page by simply going to www.heroesmediagroup.com. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Folks, until next time, I'm Adam. We'll see you out. so proudly we the
Yeah.